This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's once again a thrill to be here on a Sunday morning live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We've got a great show lined up for you in studio this morning. We're pleased to have with us Toronto Argonaut legends, and uh, can, can I call you guys friends of mine? Friends of mine, Bill Simons and Peter Martin. Uh, it's going to be a big week for you, Bill, and we're certainly looking forward to talking about that. So uh, thanks so much for joining, coming in this morning, and we've got a lot of great Argo stories to talk about. Should be a fun day. <laughs> Should certainly see you. And Peter, how are you this morning? Well, for me, uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, I got got downtown in about 15 minutes, and that doesn't happen very often. Well, it's a Sunday morning, believe me. (laughs) It's a great drive Sunday morning. It's a great drive. Anyways, uh, so we're certainly uh, looking forward to talking uh, to you fine gentlemen. And uh, uh, before we we have Mike Walton on the line, before we go to Mike, I just want to let our listeners know this is a very special week for you, Bill. It's a tremendous accomplishment. We just want to tell our listeners right off the bat that uh, you are going to be inducted into the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, I think, believe it's this Thursday night. And that's certainly an honor, and it's certainly well-deserved. You had a fantastic career and uh, have made your home in the southern Ontario area. So we certainly, uh, right off the bat, we want to congratulate you for that tremendous honor. Thanks very much. It, we're, it's been a great, uh, quite a ride. It's been very exciting and uh, there's so many people that could have been in there, and, and the the guest list is really, really astounding who they put in, and, and I'm very flattered to be involved in it. And certainly we're going to chat about that. But we've got on the line Mike Walton. We've uh, tried to connect with Mike Walton uh, last Sunday. We weren't able to do so, but certainly uh, we're pleased and uh, thankful that uh, Mike has been able to join us this morning. Good morning, Mike. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. Good morning. Thanks. Uh, thanks once again for joining us. And uh, no you, problem. You know, just uh, our, our our audience is Zoomers. Are uh, so most of our audience remembers uh, remembers you, Mike Walton, from your days with the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, the Boston Bruins in the in the late sixties. Of course, I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a Zoomer myself, and I remember you a little bit earlier uh, from those uh, great teams you played with on the Toronto Marlies. Yep. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you also played with the Neil McNeil Maroons, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, for I think it was one year, and then uh, they, we came from St. Michael's. The Brazilian fathers decided to get out of the hockey business, which was a great thing for St. Mike's and everything, and they uh, decided they no longer wanted to be in business, I guess, for the Toronto Maple Police, whatever. And we moved to New Neil for a year, and then we the, actually the St. Mike's players and the Toronto Marbles merged that won the, the year in 64, and that's when he won the Memorial Cup. Mike, uh, Matt, Mike, Matt Sundin uh, is a really good friend of yours, and yep. uh, he was uh, inducted into the Legends role. 
What yeah, was uh, what was his, his reaction family to that? Family mom and dad, his wife, his two children, and uh, his family in, and he was so excited and proud. It was a great day. And uh, you uh, certainly, uh, Mike, um, have been. Uh, Close to the Toronto area you, for most of your life, and uh, Matt Sundin obviously was uh, was a tremendous leader for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we we know that uh, that that uh, you're in touch with Matt's, and uh, and uh, I know it was a tremendous day for him. Uh, your recollections of Matt as a Toronto Maple Leaf, and uh, certainly uh, what you saw in Matt's uh, that you thought uh, made him deserving of being on Legends Row. Well, basically, number one, he, he was uh, he was a, the best hockey player basically to date that's come through the Toronto organization. Uh, he set all records and points and games, et cetera, et cetera. So, and you know, and and and, and his stats, his his goals, his assists, his awards he's won, his All Stars that he's been on. It's, that's not the real story. The story is about the human being. It's about the person. And he was such a good person. I don't know anybody you can talk to on a team to play with him or against him that doesn't have his, bring up his character. Because all those years he was here, um, and uh, and it just it was it was it was chaos type deal. And he was such a good person, such a good leader, such a good captain, such a good person that he never said anything. People thought he was quiet because he's Swedish. But no, he just what he felt was right. It wasn't his job to to tell the management what to do. Now we know all around the league and any different sports, football, baseball, basketball, there's always somebody comes up and a superstar and, and and goes crazy in the sense of I'm, I'm not playing with any good players. We better bring players in. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And this guy never did any of that. And people got to understand that that he was a great person. He did his job. He set all records. He never complained. He never complained. And, and that was a big thing. He didn't cause any problems here. It was his duty to be a good leader and lead by, uh, by doing. And, and, and he, he never spoke out against any of the man management for the Toronto Maple Police over all the crazy years we've had. Interestingly enough, uh, Mike, we're talking to Mike Walton. We're talking about Legends Road down at the Air Canada Centre, and uh, I actually uh, I was uh, I was right down in front of the Air Canada Centre last night. I had to try. My daughter actually lives uh, lives right there, and I actually drove in. I had to drop off some packing boxes, and I saw Legends Row for the first time. I parked actually right in front of it, and I looked yeah. at it. And I'll be quite honest with you, Mike. There's another. There's another gentleman that, uh, and there's there's spaces there. You can see there's the boards yeah, there's, there. There's there's, there's spaces, and there and, there, and there and there's there's some people coming, and we talk about great leaders, and and and, and great people. And I, I want to talk about somebody who's not there, uh, the the Toronto Maple Leaf captain from from the 1960s. What I, I'll I'll be honest with you. I wear my my emotions on my sleeve when I talk about this gentleman. It's Dave Keon. And yeah, it's a, that's a very sad situation because it's certainly not uh, the management. Uh, he had an issue or problem with the uh, Ballard Smythe days, and those guys no longer live here. So I don't get it. The new owners, the, I know Mr. Tannenbaum and, uh, and, 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 and numerous other people have tried, including myself, make a phone call to him and say why. But his feelings is he doesn't want to do it because of uh, they're not retiring the sweater. Um, uh, and that's what it's all we started about, the, in raising the sweater to the rafters. But none of the other players and great players, Silaps and all these great guys, Tim Horton and 
Conikers, uh, uh, and, and, you know, there's so many guys up there that I don't know why he wants to be different. It was different if they were picking and choosing. But I just don't get it because, uh, again, the people um, loved him. He had great years here, and he should be there. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a different approach with this, Michael, and uh, certainly don't want to get into. Uh, but uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the only team that doesn't doesn't retire sweaters, and they honor sweaters. And you know, the last I can't remember the last. I think Matt Stajan was the last one who wore number fourteen, and most of the other sweaters that are honored, nobody's wearing them anymore. I, I think it's, and I'm just gonna leave it at this. I think it's time for. MLSC just to retire all of those sweaters. They've got a great opportunity coming up in, uh, I think it's 2017. It's the 100-year anniversary. 100-year anniversary. Years anniversary. Years you know what, Michael, <laughs> you know what? If you, yeah, you know, if they got, uh, you got any in, in, input at MLSC, call them. Tell them to retire all those sweaters. You know what? The place, yeah. is, the place is incomplete without Dave Keon around, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, Michael, listen. We we appreciate uh, we appreciate so much you coming on the show this morning. No problem. Uh, we thank you for sharing your insights into Matt Sundin. He was generally uh, generally uh, uh, you know played the game with class and grace, and we appreciate your uh, sharing your uh, your personal opinions and your insight into <laughs> Matt Sundin, and of course your your opinions with respect to Dave Keon. Thanks so much, Michael. Okay, thank you, guys. Thanks so much. That, of course, was Michael Walton, uh, who's uh, a local uh, real estate uh, agent and broker and also uh, had a tremendous career with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins. Naz, any, uh, any thoughts on Legends Row and where the Leafs should be taking it from here? Well, they should have retired jerseys for sure. You know what? I compared Dave Keon to John Beliveau. John Beliveau would never have been treated like that by the Montreal Canadiens, and they're pretty equivalent players for each city. And they retired John Beliveau's sweater. They would never have treated Beliveau like that. I think uh, Keon has a point. Uh, but I, I think, you know what, he's getting uh, on. Yeah. And I think he's mellowed quite a bit. Yeah. I'm not going to – you know what, I'm, I'm not going to choose sides on this debate. Uh, you know what, I'll, as a fan, uh, we just want to see Dave Keon there. Uh, MLSC and Dave Keon, however you guys can, uh, can put it together, make it happen. There would be a legion of uh, – a legion of Dave Keon fans that would would, would really love to see yeah. that. Wally, you talk to Dave uh, David uh, quite a bit. Uh, your yeah. relationship is like mine with Paul Beeston, right? Yeah. And uh, how how is his feelings? On- you know, I'll, I'll be quite frank. Dave Keon's always treated me uh, gracefully. He's gracious and he treats me with respect. Some conversations I've had with him, I'm not at liberty to talk about on the air, and I'm not going to. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the only thing I can say is I'm a big fan of him. I respected him as a player. He played the game gracious. He was one of the great. He is the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf of all time. Uh, he's had his differences with MLSC. I'd love to see those differences patched up one way or the other. Uh, not so much for Dave Keon. You know, I'd love to see it for him, for MLSC, but for the fans. <clears throat> My generation thought Dave Keon was um, just, he was the greatest player. Oh, like we grew up, we all wanted to be Dave Keon. We, we all want to be number fourteen. So whatever they have to do to patch it up, I'd, I'd love to see it, and I'd love to see it for the fans. Anyways, we've got a, we've got a couple other legends in front of us right here that we've got to get to. Uh, we've got Bill Simons. We've got Pete Martin. These gentlemen certainly uh, talking about the nineteen sixties and Dave Keon. They played on some fantastic Toronto Argonaut teams. 
in the late 60s and the early 70s. They've, uh, they are legends in their own respect, too, and we've got, uh, we certainly want to take advantage and talk to them for, uh, for, the, for, for the rest of the show. But we'll be going to break right now. We'll be right back with Bill Simons and Peter Martin. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. <clears throat> pound three six three six. No. Pound three six three six. No. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. Ooh, ooh. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. Huh, that's got a ring to it. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound three six three six. With a True North deck system, you could be sunning, lounging, and relaxing instead of sanding, scraping, and painting. The True North deck system, the deck that's Canadian manufactured for our Canadian climate, comes with a limited lifetime warranty. You get a durable, double-sided finished deck system that's easy to install, eco-friendly, and virtually maintenance-free. Enjoy your summer. Ask about True North deck systems at Lowe's or visit them online at trunorthdeck.com. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. Banks invest in mortgages for a reason. They're reliable, secure, and offer a dependable rate of return. It's bankable. So, if your bank does it, why not you? Find out how you can get a solid rate of return, like your bank, starting at 9% fixed interest per year, in writing. It's easy. Learn more at peterlantos.com. That's peterlantos, L-A-N-T-O-S dot com. You've worked hard for your money. Isn't it time your money worked hard for you? Visit peterlantos.com. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. 
The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live this Sunday morning from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And in studio with us this morning, Argo legends Bill Simons and Peter Martin. And we are celebrating uh, a, a significant event this week. The induction of Bill Simons into the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. Of course, uh, Bill Simons had a tremendous career with the Toronto uh, Argonauts. Uh, Shenley Award winner, uh, MVP of the CFL in uh, in 1968. Did I get that year right, Bill? 68, yeah. 68, and we're talking about time going by. Well, you actually came to the Toronto Argonauts the year the Leafs last won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, we uh, we came here in '67, and uh, I pl- I played a little bit of running back, uh, slot back, did a little er- a little bit of everything, but uh, I really didn't get the opportunity to carry the ball until '68 season. So we certainly you came, and you were the uh, your uh, first Toronto Argonaut to uh, rush for a thousand yards in a year. Yeah, it was in a 14 game schedule, and that's uh, the I think. I'm not sure, but I believe I'm the only one that's ever rushed for 1,000 yards in a 14-game schedule. Uh, and, and, of and course, in studio, Peter Martin, uh, Peter Martin, uh, middle linebacker for some great Toronto Argonaut teams. And, of course, you can remember Peter Martin. He was the uh, play-by-play commentator for the Toronto Argonauts for the longest no, – sorry, color commentator yeah. for the longest time. Sorry, yeah, I forgot my notes at home today, so yeah. you, you got, might have to help me out here, Peter. Uh, you certainly uh, – we're in the booth with some of the legends yeah. uh, in the Toronto area. Dave Hodge, uh, John Badham, Bob Bertina, Bill Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, your, uh, your favorite recollections of your broadcasting well, I got, days, Peter? I, got thank, I can thank Mel Prophet for getting the job in 1977. <laughs> they, they fired Mel. Of course, Mel was a teammate of ours with the Argos, and he was doing the color commentary. And it's customary at that time, the, the, the broadcast crew was jointly picked by the club and the radio station. And... Mel really upset the Argos because apparently he made a comment that the Argo offense could be written on the head of a pin. <laughs> so as a result of that, he got turfed, and, and uh, Dave Hodge did the interviews, and uh, for the replacement, I got the job. And it started out as a year-by-year type deal, and then and it turned into be off and on. With uh, They changed stations a few times, but I survived like 26, 27 years, so it was, uh, it was a good run. Uh, guys, I'd like to get back to the 71 season. You ha- you guys had a cast of characters on that team, the 71 guys. Mel Prophet was one of them, Dick Thornton. How were they? Tricky the- Dick Tricky Thornton. Dick. <laughs> How were they in the room? You, well, I don't, I'm not sure we got enough time on this show for that well, for that question, uh, but uh, give, give it a go, guys. Peter's probably more qualified than I was. That's a good question. How were we? I think, I think really we were, we were a fairly close team, it, it seemed, in that uh, we were a social bunch. I mean, we used to have Halloween parties, and uh, uh, after a game, uh, Leo used to give us some money for special plays, and we used to go to a pub on Jarvis Street after the game, the first practice after a game, and had good attendance. So in that regard, you know, we were a close group. Uh, we had a couple of situations with Sonny Wade and a few other guys where we had some fights on the field and we sort of hung together and so that but then but we did have sort of some different type guys that sort of uh, were different <laughs> put it that way so so we were a close knit group but we had this different some different guys that. Uh, uh, made it very, very interesting to say the least. Peter, I got, I got to pursue uh, Naz's question there because you know what the 1971 Argos, 
uh, or the you know Argos of that era. When the, in Naz Naz hit the nail on the head when he used the word characters. There were more characters on that team than any other professional sports team I ever remember. And uh, most of you guys had nicknames. You you were Cy. You know we had Dave the Knife Ramey. You had. Um, um, Tricky Dick Thornton. You had Wagon. Gene Mack was was a character. Uh, the co- it all started from the coach, Leo the Lip Cahill. And of course, you were uh, you were you were the architect. Uh, you're you're the glue, Peter. You were the glue that held all these guys together. From from what I've heard, but I mean, it's just it, it, the characters on that team were just were just unbelievable. And I and I just and I've made this comment with Naz on the show before. It, it's like professional sports has lost. That sense of character amongst their athletes, and that sense of nicknames. Am I am I close to the well, tr- well, truth we, there? What Bill? started a lot of our uh, togetherness as a team, uh, and it started a little renegade stuff. Was Leo said at, at preseason that there'd be no long hair? Well, we had uh, <laughs> uh, Bobby Taylor had uh, this long hair. Mel Prophet had long hair, uh, and this kind of become a. a Semi battle between the coaches and and Leo making this statement and the proof that uh, you know he wasn't going to tell us how to dress and you know Mel was you know had a new style of dress and uh, you know we just had a really a really lot of fun fun guys you know <laughs> Leo Leo was great at the blackboard and he always these pre practice speeches and so on I remember one time he. He gets up and he puts all the names of the players on the board. And he goes to each guy. He says, Pete Martin, look at you. He said, Ottawa cut you. Simons, BC traded you. Thornton, Winnipeg got rid of you. And he went down. You're all a bunch of has-been misfits. Nobody wanted you guys. I took you on. You're my boy. So that's the kind of stuff. How did Leo keep all you guys guys together? And and how, how did he turn you into a winner? Well, well, you know well, what? Well, I don't think he had to. I think he was just talent. Uh, we we just it just seemed everybody came together. Uh, a good share of us. Leo uh, wasn't really involved in bringing us in, and, and but uh, you know Bobby Taylor coming from Calgary. Um, you know, had Eagle Day was there. You know, Eagle Day. Wow. Uh, I mean, Pete Manning was Pete Manning was a great receiver. Uh, you know, they everybody was on that team. Just seemed to be. A real bunch of characters and and all outcasts from somewhere else, you know. The one thing, too, which is difficult for teams to do now because of free agency and all of that stuff, that it was a gradual building process. Like I started in 65. We were horrible, 65, 66, and Leo comes in 67, and that's when things started to move forward. And the club decided to spend some money and brought in, spent some money, brought in Theisman and Still Wagon and all those guys. But at the time, you know, we practiced at 5 o'clock. There was this idea of trying to get the guys in here, get settled into the community, get a job, become involved. There, there wasn't the turnover in talent as there is now. And so that there was just, you know, we replaced a couple of pieces, but there was a core of guys that carried through that era. And when you have a core of people like that, it does sort of results in some camaraderie because you get to know these guys really well. You see them in the off season and so on, and you develop some camaraderie, which is difficult to do at this today. Wally brought up a name that was my favorite player at the time was Gene Mack. Gene and, Mack. Uh, did you guys see the uh, the actor in him? Or? He was a, he was a real character. He he you know Gene was vocal, uh, you know high energy and. Uh, 
you know, he was just overall loud, and, and you know, but a, a very, very good ball player, you know, and, and he because of some of his freedom and active things that he did, uh, he got released from some places that he, you know he could have made it if he'd been a, a more sedate uh, player, you know, or uh, not quite so vocal. Yeah, you see him in commercials now, uh, yeah. still doing uh, work. He's, he's still, Bill. Uh, you know, you um, uh, we're talking to Bill Simons uh, in studio today, and Peter Martin, Bill, uh, legends from the great Toronto Argonaut teams of uh, of the late '60s, and of course the uh, the infamous 1971 team that was immortalized in a TSN documentary, the greatest team that never won. And we're certainly going to get into some details about that. But Bill, uh, you know, you were uh, when you came up from the states, you came up from Colorado, and you were. I, I still think you're on a top list of one of the greatest uh, players ever to have played in Colorado. Uh, and then you ended up uh, being drafted in the, in the first, uh, in, being drafted by the Green Bay Packers. And you, you spent some, you spent some time in Green Bay under, under Vince Lombardi and some of the legends of the game. Tell us a little bit about your experience with the Packers. Well, um, I was drafted uh, in the sixth round, but it, there was, they had Packers had three, uh, three six rounds, so it's really I you know I don't know where it was around the ninth round, of, and then Kansas City. Uh, I was drafted by Kansas City uh, in late draft. They couldn't get a hold of me, uh, so I was going to go eleventh and end up nineteenth draft choice or something like that. Uh, signed with Green Bay, went there. Uh, you know they had a pretty loaded backfield, and they actually signed me as a receiver and defensive back, and. Uh, uh, we had, you know, there was uh, Paul Horning, Jim Taylor, Elijah Pitts, uh, Tom Moore. Uh, and, you know, I didn't have much of a chance of uh, breaking in. But actually, I, I won a spot as return specialist and kickoff and uh, and punt return specialist. And I tore a knee up doing a uh, punt return against New York. And uh, through really poor training and a few uh, having the trainers and and lack of really good doctoring at that time that they could get away with, uh, I I suffered a lot of stress on a knee that should have been just a simple cartilage operation. It turned into be a major major problem for me the rest of my career. Pete, you saw you saw a lot of the uh, players coming down to the CFL. The Argos seemed to not airlift. The airlift was the se- the September thing, but they used to bring uh, stars from the NFL or, that were going to go to the NFL. How was the pay structure compared? The, see, people that I talk to, I tell them that the NFL and CFL wasn't far off money-wise no. at that time. Is that true? Well, it's true. I, I think that uh, probably Joe Theismann might have been paid more here than he was, was going to get in the NFL. And that they were very competitive. I mean, when Tobin Roat came up here and, you know, go before the, in the early 60s, Billy Ship and uh, Billy Albright and guys like that, uh, they could go down and they could compete with players like that. And uh, so, uh, and then sometimes, too, they got like Stillwagon. He was uh, Detroit, I think, had uh, drafted him. And uh, I think they wanted to move him from to a linebacker, and he didn't want to do that. But there's no question that... Uh, Salaries were comparable at that time, and that made the CFL very competitive. Yeah. The I had a chance uh, that, uh, just butt in a second uh, uh, after the '68 season. I signed a contract with uh, I, I was had a contract signed with Denver for a two year no cut, uh, and uh, ended up staying in Toronto with about a twenty thousand dollar less uh, salary. But the fact that we could work and hold a job. 
become very important to me because I found out how quickly our careers could end. And, uh, you know, they helped us uh, get jobs and, and, and different things. And, and from that is the reason I've ended up staying in Canada. There was one other thing, too, back then. The CFL did not adhere to the graduation rule in the national, that the National Football League did. Like you had to graduate. Your class had to graduate from an American oh, school yeah, before yeah. you could draft. The, the CFL didn't do that. So you look at Leon McQuay, Ron Michalogic, Noah Jackson, Bo Scott, Vic Washington, Margene Atkins. They, they all came up here before they had graduated from high school or from university. And then, of course, when they came up here, established themselves, then once and their they class graduated, they went back down. Noah Jackson, longtime star guard with Chicago Bears. Mitch Kologic played for uh, the Giants or the Jets. So uh, that rule was uh, really helped the NFL, too. You go down and put some money on the table and say, hey, son, sign, this is your dough. <laughs> and they were up Absolutely. here in a flash. Yeah. Anyways, talking about characters, and uh, his name just came up in the conversation about uh, four minutes ago. We're pleased to have on the, uh, on the line the helmsman of that, uh, of that 1971 Great Cup uh, team. And, of course, uh, with the nickname, Joe the Throw Theisman. Joe, are you, how are you this morning? Good morning, guys. How's everybody? Anyways, we're, uh, Joe, we've got you. We've got uh, your former teammates and friends, Bill Simons and Pete Martin, are in studio this morning. And we are celebrating... Uh, Bill Simon's induction into the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame this coming Thursday. I'm sure you'd want to extend your congratulations. Oh, that it is that is so great. Hey, Billy. Hey, Peter. Hey, how Joe. Are you? How you Hi, doing, Joe. bud? Good. And uh, no matter what they what you think, uh, I really didn't miss that block going into the end zone. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Yeah, you say it now. Now, now, now you now you clear the air, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I'm trying to, to convince that. the now guys gonna, that uh, clarify everything for us. I tried to convince them. And tell him that uh, you tried to give me the ball, but I told him I didn't want it. <laughs> no, I know. It's, you always had that look in your eyes sometimes. You know, you, you could see, if I turned my back to the line of scrimmage, you could see what was happening up there, and you made the decision whether you wanted the ball or not. Well, it was, it was fear. It was like a fear. It. it was a little muddled. <laughs> I, I, you know, after all these years, I still, I still sense a little resentment here, boys. Uh, uh, you know, you know what it is, is uh, for me, it, you know, Peter and Bill and everybody on that football team are very special. It was my first professional experience. And, um, you know, Toronto to me is always and always will be, you know, home. Uh, everybody's been always so wonderful when I come up there. I, I get there about twice a year now for various engagements and downtown or around the city and had a chance to see uh, Tony not too long ago. And uh, just, you know, the um, sort of coming home party we had uh, for the Grey Cup a few years back was such a great thing. Peter opened up his house for us. I, I will say this, though. One thing has not changed. The capacity of my teammates to drink beer <laughs> has not changed one bit in all the years <laughs> that we've been away and haven't, and haven't been together. I it's the first thing that jumped out at me were the amount of empty beer bottles that were on the table. I'm saying, boy, this really is like being back with the team. Joe, I want to bring up one thing. In 1971, uh, we founded the Mississauga Minor Football League, and I don't know whether you remember this or not, but you sponsored a team called the Flying Sevens. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, and I'd let you know that that league is still sound and still producing football players, and uh, that was an exciting time in Mississauga. 
Joe, uh, we, uh, we are, uh, of course, we're talking to Joe, uh, Joe the Throw Theisman. We're talking about some great Toronto Argo teams, and we've got Bill Simons and Peter Martin in studio this morning. And, uh, Joe, uh, you know, you were, uh, you were Joe the Throw, and we talk, we've been talking about nicknames and characters and the incredible characters on that team. And you had another nickname, the Golden Boy. Um, you were obviously, you, you had just come off an incredible career at Notre Dame. Um, I believe you finished second in the Heisman. It was at the Jim Plunkett, I believe, anyways. And you had come up here, and the economics of professional football at that time were a little bit different than they are today. Were you, when you came to Toronto, were you actually offered more money than you were offered by the NFL? Um, yeah, I was, as a matter of fact. Um, it, my, the path to the CFL was, um, was one of perseverance, um, really, and luck and timing. Um, I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. I, I got drafted by the Miami Dolphins and uh, had agreed to a contract. The contract was $35,000, $55,000, which guys make an interest on a daily basis today, by the way, <laughs> with some of the contracts that are out there. And the Argonauts offered me 50000 across the board in U.S. dollars, 50-50-50, and $50,000 bonus. And it, it wasn't the economics so much. And Leo Cahill, Leo is, and all of us, I think, agree that Leo was just one of the, when we talk about characters, we were led by the character of character. What a, what a, Leo did more for the CFL during the periods of time that he was there than I think any one person. I mean, you look at our football team, you know, Billy, Peter, um, Mel, uh, Prophet, um, uh, Mark, uh, Leon McQuay, uh, just the list goes on and on and on of guys that were Dickie Thornton. You know, I had a chance to see uh, Dick uh, during our get together a few years back, and unfortunately, we've lost him in time. But Leo was really the one that just stayed in touch with me. I kept bugging him after I signed my Miami contract. I kept. I wasn't happy because they had me paying back a bonus that I'd broken up, and I just didn't think it was fair, and so I haggled with them. I did not have an agent. I did my own contract. I thought I was smart enough to be able to do my own contract, and I learned a great lesson through that is let professionals do their job, and then you go play, fo- play football. Sure. But I wound, up, you know, I wound up going to Herb Solway's house, who uh, you know, was the attorney for Mr. Bassett, and they said, look, you know, you've been you've been back and forth for a month and a half now on this contract. If you leave the if you leave the city, if you leave Toronto and you don't sign this contract tonight, then you know it's over. So I signed the contract and I said, "Do me a favor. Before anything is announced, let me call Coach Shula and tell him what I've done." Well, I got back to South Bend, Indiana. That next morning, Airpar Segan calls me at six o'clock in the morning. He said, "What in heaven's name have you done?" I said, I signed with the Toronto Argonauts. He said, I know. I just got a phone with Shula, and he's on his way to South Bend. And so uh, Don Shula came to South Bend and just read me the riot act about my obligation and all that. I said, well, you had an obligation to treat me fairly, not jack around my contract. So anyway, that, that, that started a relationship of which 10 years roughly after that, we wound up beating his Miami Dolphins in a Super Bowl. And then... Two years after that, I wound up broadcasting a Super Bowl with Don Meredith and Frank Gifford in which the San Francisco 49ers beat the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. So it's like every time Shula saw me in the 70s, other than the undefeated team, nothing good happened to his team. Uh, we're talking... it, was, uh, it, was a, it was an unbelievable time. I loved being a part of that football team. It, it was a group, of, a group of characters with character led by the ultimate character. 
We're talking to Joe Theismann, and we're talking about the uh, Toronto Argonauts, uh, Toronto Argonauts of the early 1970s. I have to ask you, Joe. Um, you came up to the CFL. You were you were the you were the golden boy. Uh, front page covers of Sports Illustrated uh, spurned the uh, spurned the NFL. Uh, your your big contract, highest paid player in the CFL, and a couple of guys I've got in studio here. They were they were working to they were working two jobs to to, to put food on the table. Did you ever sense uh, resentment at any point in time when you came here from the from the players that were here? And when when did you actually feel that you became part of a team? Uh, you know, I never felt resentment at all. I mean, they just um, we all. I think the one thing that made that our football team so unique was the fact that everybody appreciated and respected everybody for what they did. I know I know a lot of guys had jobs. Heck, I had a job. Uh, I worked for Jack Carmichael at City Buick Pontiac Cadillac. I, I helped start the leasing department there back then. Well, sort of. I, I worked there. <laughs> let's put it that way. Okay. And, uh, and, then, and then Greg Barton and I used to uh, spend a lot of our time over at the, uh, the fair, uh, over at the C&E. Uh, when we went to the stadium, I mean, we couldn't start practice till five o'clock in the afternoon because all the guys were working. You know, a lot. Everybody, it seemed like everybody had some type of a job, and you know, Greg's and mine, we were fortunate enough to be able to, you know, play quarterback. But I did work. I did work a bit during the day and had young children at that time. It gave me actually a chance to spend a lot of time with the kids when they were young. But uh, no, I, I never ever felt any type of resentment. And uh, you know, I think there was there's. There was a great amount of respect for one another, and we had fun. The guys, I mean, we—it was a fun bunch of guys. I mean, it really was. And I, I, I traveled around, you know, having broadcast for 23 years, and I traveled around to different teams in the NFL, and and I can tell whether they like one another. If they like one another, they're probably going to be successful. If they like and respect one another, they're going to be successful. But you can tell whether guys are divided. Uh, what the feeling is in a locker room. Our locker room was one of, you know, by the time everybody showed up, they'd worked all day. They were ready to get on and, and do something to take their frustrations out. Joe, we have a, a team close to us in the NFL. Just the one NFL question, if you don't mind. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, your assessment of this team this year? I think this game this weekend, today, uh, between Buffalo and New England, Buffalo is hosting New England today. I think the Bills will be the surprise team in the NFL. But today goes a long way to setting the tone and saying, okay, we are for real. I found Rex's appointment of Tyrod Taylor as the starting quarterback very intriguing. Uh, he, brings, he brings a skill set that's unique. It's both a combined ability to run and throw the football. Um, and, of course, you know, hope, you hope Shady McCoy is healthy uh, for them up there. But the last two years, their defensive front has led the league in, in sacks. I mean, this is, this is a football team and a coach that knows how to play defense. And I, I do believe that the way you win um, is by playing defense. I mean, it's, it's Peter and those guys that kept us in, in the Grey Cup, uh, gave us a chance. You know, Dickey winds up intercepting that pass and almost getting in when we, uh, we played Calgary out in Vancouver. So, uh, you know, I'm still a big believer that offense gets a lot of the headlines, but defense winds up winning a lot of games for you Joe, in championships. Joe, th- listen, thanks so much for coming on and, uh, and joining us. We know it's early where you are. You're out in California. It's really early this morning, and I know that you uh, came on in my conversation as the respect that you have for the two gentlemen that are with me this morning. And Billy, I want to congratulate you for going in. It's a, it's a well-deserved honor, long overdue. And Peter, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Okay, take care, Joe. Thanks. See you guys. Thanks, Joe. Look forward to seeing you.
That, of course, was the uh, Joe Theismann uh, was uh, I, the quarterback or one of the quarterbacks of the uh, of the 1971 Argos because yeah. he actually shared duties that year with yeah. Greg Barton, didn't he? Yeah, that was a that was a little controversial. One game, they, every other every series. series. Yeah, I'd like to comment though about you mentioned about resentment about money, uh, players making too much money. I think everybody wanted to make a lot of money, but I think everybody realized it was bargaining power was what determined how much you made, right? And Joe said he didn't have a law agent. I didn't have an agent, whether Cy had an agent. But you went in and, and you tried to negotiate a contract based on your worth, and if you had bargaining power, you got money. If you didn't have bargaining power, and the bargaining power, you had a lot of control over about how you played, right? If you played well... Right then, you had some value, and your salary went up. So there was no resentment about. Now, if a guy was making big bucks and was jerking you around, that's another story. But we didn't. As have long as he put it on the field, exactly. and he it's, showed up to practice. It's interesting. Joe said that he worked at a car de- dealership too. I was there. Wow. Uh, well, he got a new car. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> they used him as an advertising. <laughs> we all. He started the leasing uh, company, more to, though. More of us had uh, something to do, but. You know, we talk about salary. Uh, I had a bigger contract signed with Denver in 1968 and ended up signing back in Toronto because I really believed that uh, we were going to win. I I thought we had a a bunch of guys that were winners. And uh, then, of course, I was from Colorado, and I really decided that if every game I'd be done but a ticket agent because every family in Colorado that knew we had wanted a free ticket. So, uh, But you know, I never resented staying in CFL. You know, uh, the, uh, To me, it, it's, uh, the CFL was, was fun. It, you could work. You got it started. And, uh, you know, become a community, you know, and, and, and Toronto was a great place to play ball. Well, the thing is, too, and, and size is a perfect example. Like the, your football career is just a small part of your life. I mean, what are you going to do after football? And if there's a problem with the CFL right now is we don't end up with enough guys like Bill Simon staying in Toronto. I mean, you know, the fact that you could work till 5 and, you know, Bill, you know, we're so deserving of the award. He stays here, he raises his family here, gets involved in business and so on and so forth, and he's become made a real contribution to to the area, and that's just that's part of the deal. So you just realize that football is just a small part of it. What's going on after? And size a perfect example of someone who took total advantage of the opportunity. All right, and that's what football provides you. It provides you with an opportunity, and it's up to you to take advantage of it. And side did it very well. Okay. Yeah, I was fortunate. Bill, I'm going to have to have to hold that thought. We've got to go to break. Um, we we're ta- of course talking to Bill Simons and Peter Martin and. Uh, we, when we come back from break, I've got to talk to you about that fateful day in November in 1971. We've got to talk a little bit about that, and, uh, and you're going to hang around for the next uh, few minutes and uh, look forward to some more interesting stories, uh, some of which we've already talked about, and I guess some of which we can't even, uh, can't even share on the air, but uh, we'll, we'll, share some, we'll share some stories. Wally, well, they can still drink beer, as <laughs> okay. Joe Theismann. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636 and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. 
Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. With a True North deck system, you could be sunning, lounging, and relaxing instead of sanding, scraping, and painting. The True North deck system, the deck that's Canadian manufactured for our Canadian climate, comes with a limited lifetime warranty. You get a durable, double-sided finished deck system that's easy to install, eco-friendly, and virtually maintenance-free. Enjoy your summer. Ask about True North Deck Systems at Lowe's or visit them online at trunorthdeck.com. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. We have a simpler way to invest your money. We invest in mortgages, the same way your bank invests your money, secure and dependable. You get a solid rate of return starting at 9% fixed interest per year, in writing. No stock market roller coaster rides and no mutual fund nail biters. To learn how, visit PeterLantos.com. That's PeterLantos, L-A-N-T-O-S dot com. You've worked hard for your money. Isn't it time your money worked hard for you? Visit PeterLantos.com. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village on Zoomer Radio. Uh, of course, in studio with us this morning, Argo legends Bill Simons and Peter, and Peter Martin, of course, and uh, we certainly have had a great time with you guys and uh, got the privilege this week in, uh, in uh, looking into uh, researching this a little bit and got the privilege of uh, watching that TSN documentary that was made about the 1971 team. The greatest team that never won. And um, a couple of things that I took away from that documentary is, and a uh, good part of that uh, documentary, 
Peter, was filmed at your house. You had a, a barbecue. You invited all of... Uh, uh, so you brought over a lot of the 1971 uh, team. Theismann was there, and Wagon was there, and Cy was there, and a whole bunch of guys w- were there. Tell mm-hmm. us about uh, tell us about that day at your house because I I found it I found it compelling mm-hmm. in the sense I you mm-hmm. really got the director really brought through the feeling mm-hmm. of how much you guys really enjoy yeah. enjoy each other's company. Tell me about that. Well, you can thank the production company for that. I mean, it was, we talked about doing a. a, a a program on the, that team and the idea they had it at my house they wanted an atmosphere very casual very casual and i just moved in i have a very small semi-detached house it was kind of everybody was jammed in together they thought that was uh, very good they did some stuff in the kitchen and the living room out in the backyard and on the deck and and we were given uh, they were walking around with microphones and we were just being ourselves right and then they edited it all out and so that was just one part of it, but we had stuff taken at the Argo practice and game day on a bus tour, and they put it all together, and they did a uh, fabulous job. But that that evening at my house was really kind of neat because that's the one time that we all got together with some drinks and some food, and we could say whatever we want. They said, don't worry about what you're talking about because we're going to edit it all out. And what they had left over, Cy, might be more interesting than what we saw, <laughs> <laughs> what you saw on TV than what they left on the editor's floor. But you know what? Peter was always the team leader, uh, no matter uh, what it was. You know, the after-game parties was at Peter's house, and Peter was always really the social leader, uh, also the on-the-field leader, and that's why he was a captain. And that's why he did such an excellent job at that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, he was the coordinator and, and the guy that held everybody together. Yeah, and I was, I was watching it, and I, uh, you know, I was looking at the expressions on on your faces when they were when they were taping mm-hmm. that uh, and filming it, and especially the part where they were they were replaying parts. The two two compelling parts of that 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 linger in my mind. There was the part where um, I think somebody, I don't remember who made the comment. It might have been Theisman. It might have been Wagon. That this uh, uh, this last time we're ever going to see each other in this together, like this. And then, of course, after that, Tricky Dick passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and the occasions for perhaps for a formal reunion of that may not occur again. I found that very, very, very compelling television the way just the you know some you guys looked at each other and say this may be the last time we're ever like this together again and of course for for some of you it was you know tricky tricky dick has passed and um tell tell us how that fell from an emotional point of view and and the other part of it uh they replayed the game the 71 game and they replayed that play and the and the camera focused on you peter and in in your eyes, it's almost I almost it, it it just I got the sense that it when you were looking at it, it still hurt. It, it still it still has an effect on you guys. Well, the one thing that I've told people that that the, the hardest part about this, and maybe Cy will agree with me on this, that you know you play and you build a program and you get to a point where you have a chance to to win the whole thing. And it doesn't work out for whatever reasons. And then we got back to Toronto and everybody mm-hmm. said, oh, to wait till next year. And we really had a good, we were a good wait till next year team because we weren't going to lose too many people. And everybody said, oh, you guys will be there next year. Well, Theismann broke his leg and one guy after another went down and we didn't even make the playoffs. So <clears throat> the disappointment 
lasted for another year because then you realized, hey, I had a chance or we had a chance, we blew it, and the chance is never going to happen again. And I think maybe that's what I was thinking because I've always thought that way. Hey, we had our chance, we didn't get it, and it never happened again. And, uh, and we talked about this uh, on, uh, before we came on the air. And, uh, you know, the, the Argos of that year were, uh, they were built for, you know, you know, you had a lot of speedy guys on the team. And, and, you, you, and perhaps you didn't agree with me, but I always thought the weather made, made the biggest difference in that game. The, the way you guys had handled Calgary, uh, I mean, sometimes fate just heads in a certain You had handled Calgary fairly easily earlier in the year. And then you got into this Grey Cup game. You know, you had Joe the Throw as your quarterback. You had McQuay. You had Usai, you know. Uh, and, and it rained. It ter- rained torrentially. Uh, you may not agree with me, but I always thought that that was the biggest difference, and the, the, that the game just didn't set up for your type of team. In in that game, you know, you you got to play in Canada or anywhere. You got to play according to the weather, and and we we had a, a we we relied on speed. But if you take a, a, another team, we had a great team in '68, and, and in Ottawa, we go down there, the of God. and they've watered the damn yeah. field and uh, iced it up. It was solid ice, and they come out with the broom broth shoes. Uh, the '68 team was, I thought, was just as good a team as our our '71 uh, team. Uh, we had the same opportunity, and and nobody ever made a big deal out of that. But that that was almost to a point of cheating, you know. Way that, and nobody ever said anything about that. And I think it was one of the, uh, the I thought it was one of the disgraces of the CFL, really. Guys, what was Leo Cahill the best recruiter ever in the CFL? Oh, well, I, 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 recruiter. I'm not talking about head coach because I don't believe you. Hey, he was a great. I, I, I tell you what. I, 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 based on the players he brought in, I guess you have to say yes. But if you're given a, a checkbook, <laughs> you can do anything. You can do anything. How's Leo doing today? Uh, last time I talked to Leo, he's living in Atlanta with his son in Atlanta, and um, he has some health issues. Uh, I think I'm not too sure. I don't think he's very happy down there in a way because he's he has family, but he doesn't really have anyone else to talk football with, and I think he's kind of lonely down there. But uh, uh, he's he's surviving. He's coping. We saw him a couple of years ago. Pete and I uh, yeah. were at a function, and he came and and um, he's he he's very very lonely. Uh, you know, I think he's living with his son, and and he misses Toronto. You know. Uh, uh, you know, he didn't have a lot of things offered to him after, after he quit coaching, and I, I think that he was very discouraged by that. But uh, Leo was Leo was he was Leo. He Leo Lip brought a lot of attention to Toronto, and you needed that in Toronto to make it to make it people excited. You know? Yeah, and it was pretty pretty compelling in that documentary when uh, you guys were were just talking about Leo Cahill, and he just he walked up the stairs yeah. and he surprised you guys. Yeah, there were a lot of guys that. Couldn't make that too. Yeah. Uh, like Mel wasn't there. Uh, Danny Nicolak, who was on that team, he wasn't there. Ellie Kelly and uh, Jim Henderson, and there was a few other guys that. Uh, and of course, we lost a couple. Leon has passed away. Harry Abops. And you haven't talked about that. Harry, the fumble. Harry, the fumble. Kicking the ball, kicking the ball out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. But but the bottom line is with wrap up seventy one. Uh, even after Leon's fumble and Harry kicks the ball out of bounds, we still have the ball one still more the time. Ball. That's right. Hey, and, 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 and we just couldn't pull off that. You last know what? Uh, um, you know, fate conspired against you guys that day, and uh, it didn't work out. And uh, so many great memories. Unfortunately, we've uh, we've run out of time. And uh, um, so many great memories, the Toronto Argos from from that era.
You guys are, are a huge part of that, Pete Martin and, and Bill Simons. The characters, the memories that you guys have left with the fans, um, I can only tell you how, uh, how, great it, how great it's been. It's been a pleasure for Naz and I to have you guys in the studio this morning to uh, see that you guys are doing well and uh, you're still mm. the best of friends and still thriving. And uh, it's been so much meeting you guys, so much, so great meeting you guys and uh, catching up on some of these stories. And Bill, congratulations on your uh, achievement, uh, too. Th- thanks very much. And I'm so flattered by this. But you know what, Walt uh, and Jazz, thanks so much for having us. This this is very important and 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 very fun. You know, uh, I love being with Pete anytime, especially if he buys the coffee afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, uh, I'm just going to very simply put it: um, we could spend hours with you guys uh, talking about this. Um, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate you coming down on a Sunday morning and sharing your memories and. Uh, we wish you all the best, and I hope to see you again soon, hopefully on the golf course. And I think uh, Glenn mentioned that, that it's time that four of us hit, uh, yeah. hit the links again yeah, well, one, well, one more time. This, well, reminds me, this reminds me of a preseason game in 1967. You didn't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, guys, I, I, my producer, I, I, I better say goodbye. Or... You, you didn't. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That was the envelope I get later. <laughs> okay, no problem. <laughs> Anyways, my producer's going to cut us off if I don't get off the air. So all I'm going to say is thanks again, guys. And to our listeners, have a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you again next Sunday morning on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.